Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Monday Memo. Now today I'd like to share with you a conversation. Um, during the past week I was approached by a young finance graduate who was halfway into his finance development program at a very well-known multinational. You know, he had been working in credit and collections and was about to go on his next rotation into pricing. And he'd asked me a question which impressed me but also at the same time concerned me. It's actually a question that's not uncommon. I've heard it before. I've heard it asked. And, and the question was, he asked me, how could he make a difference in finance? Now, first up, I admired his courage for asking for advice at such a, a young age, uh, much younger than I, I did, and I wish I'd asked for advice and help sooner. And also, it's fantastic that he, you know, at such a young stage in his career, in finance career, he wants to know how he can make a difference to his organization, but also um, that obviously helped his career too. But if you look at the other hand, uh, the question's a bit of a concern because how did he already get this far? You know, he's graduated, he's obviously done accounting and finance modules at university, studied them as part of a more formal program and some certification too. He's done interviews with probably various companies, different people, and he's already progressed this far through his development program without yet knowing where to look and how to make uh, this uh, difference a reality. Now, firstly, finance have been making a difference for thousands of millennia. So this is not something new. So most of us in finance at the moment are already making a necessary difference for our organizations. You know, and that difference you know, can go all the way back to Babylonian times, 4,000 years ago, when we were tracking financial transactions on clay tablets. You know, and that's why finance and accounting uh, professionals started to emerge. And you know, we will continue to do so into the future and continue to make a difference because our purpose, our why, you know, has always been and will predominantly uh, be directed towards doing those things that help our organizations make better decisions and particularly decisions that drive sustainable progress and value for our stakeholders. It's just that some of the things we do and some of the, the activities we support um, make more relative difference for decision makers than others. So what I did with uh, this graduate in the training program was actually share with him a model I've developed over the last number of years. Um, I wrote about it initially in my book a few years ago and sort of enhanced it since. So some of you might find some of the concepts familiar. And I'm also recording this on video in case some of you want to follow up and see more about the model as I take it through the various different steps. But I'll do my, my best to sound it all the way through. And I'd say because the conversation I had was lasted about 45 minutes, I'm going to do my best to maybe condense it down into three, five or six minute parts. So you can sort of follow it over the next uh, couple of weeks. It's a lot of information to download. But I'll do my best anyway to make it simple. So the first part of, of this model is actually drawing out a y-axis or so vertical axis and it's meant to represent a scale of low to high a scale of relative value and it's the way we can use to access what level of difference we're making and that level of difference varies depending on the questions we ask and what our organizations then do about it in terms of that uh, the answers that come back so when it comes to making better decisions, we have to start somewhere. Many of us are aware of the mantra, what gets measured gets managed. Um, so decisions have to, to, to be formulated in some way and have a beginning. 
And that beginning is generally around the data we need to construct to actually make decisions. So data about our transactions. So C for construct. And that involves answering questions around, you know, what are relevant data points to support this decision? How can I collect and record and construct them into one source of truth if we haven't done so already? And uh, more often nowadays, we're not just collecting financial information, but also non-financials. So like in the pricing world, when this graduate was looking to, to learn more about, you know, we could be including some customer satisfaction or NPS data, net promoter score data, uh, comments from social media, information on the product owns or, or what they've spent with us historically. So that could be the data sources we're looking for. Um, but what hasn't actually changed is how many of us end up getting sucked into spending time cleaning data or correcting for the missing bits or, or trying to figure out if it's, it's misleading or misrepresented in any way. And then when you mix into the fact that, you know, in this age of big data, the four Vs of high volume, high variety, high velocity and high value, it can be pretty difficult to move beyond this data collection phase. And we suck a lot of time into it, providing relatively low uh, value to other things we could be making a difference on. So, you know, although collecting data allows us to get to grips around what's accurate and, and getting more consistent data points to, to support the decision making, it does mean that we could be spending our time elsewhere making more of an impact. And that elsewhere is the next level of relative value, uh, which I define by giving it the letter R to report. You know, the, the data that's required to answer the question of what has been happening. So as part of informing the decision-making process, you know, we report financial and non-financial performance across multiple time periods. We present various aggregations, segment them between groups. Uh, and all of this via reporting helps us enhance our understanding of what has happened. So, I mean, in our pricing world, it might be the, along the lines of providing information on what's been uh, happening at a customer account, the various bookings, margins, activity type trends at customers, uh, their various purchase patterns around different products within different geographies, whether they're buying more or less than they used to, or even if a customer hasn't uh, been purchasing anything for a while. And that reporting allows us to make some of a difference. And that's why a lot of us in finance and our teams, we still do that. Um, and we actually, some, some of those are quite advanced in the reporting space. They're using concepts like minimum uh, variable products, MVPs, to make their reports progressively better. But the thing is, again, if we're spending all our time making our reports look nicer and better and so on, we're probably leaving behind or on the table some areas where we could make even a bigger difference and add even more relative value than just simply having fancy and slick looking reports. And that's what we capture by the next level, A for analysis, because reporting only tells us what's happened. It doesn't tell us why something has happened. And for millennia, many thousands of years, businesses and organizations have been looking to their finance teams, our profession, and the strengths we have that go with our profession, so that technical training, our objectivity, our broad view across organizational silos, and in and around our organizations, um, our access to data, our access to decision makers, to be able to collect and connect data to figure out why things are happening. So again, in the pricing world, within finance, this might revolve around understanding why one price works better than other prices. Why do some price ranges work better with some customer groups relative to others? And why do we have those sort of three price points, good, better, best, 
versus just simply having one. And, you know, for those of you who know these sort of things, it's, it's generally psychological, but it's great to see it proven out by data as well. And, you know, we've been doing all this, you know, in, in terms of if you, if you think about it then, that's where I'll sort of draw this Monday memo to a close, is via this sort of constructing, reporting, and analyzing activities. We've been doing them for thousands of years already, and we're actually quite good at them. And, and those activities allow us to go and preserve value in our organizations and provide the foundations upon which our profession has been built on. But with the advancements in technology and economies and so on, and expectations too of the decision makers, there is still more relative value for us to go after. And I'll cover that in next week's Monday memo. But in the meantime, that's why we you know, bring on guest mentors into the Strength in the Numbers show so they can sort of share with you their insights in terms of how to get the most out of those sort of activities, constructing, reporting, and analyzing, so that you can then spend more time on delivering higher level values, how to build those right foundations um, to go support driving better decisions for our decision makers. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work in your organizations, your environment, but it shows you a potential path that might work, that's worked elsewhere, and maybe give you the ideas to go and get something that's better in your space. So look, hope you really enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to let your colleagues and friends know about us. Uh, you can subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. And we really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So until next time, take care of yourselves, and let's keep on building our strength in the numbers.